Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Of the uh, of the Scott Gibson show, I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be at this point talking inside your ears? As always, we should start the show by saying I hope you're safe and well. Two million vaccinated. Two million vaccinated in the uh, in the land of Scotland. Uh, apparently, I mean these numbers go up and down. You know, are you one of the lucky uh, two million? Have you been vaccinated? Are you fat, mentally handicapped, or slightly disabled? You know? Because if you're, maybe you've got a vaccine in the black market. I don't know. Uh, what a week it's been since we last spoke. In the name of God, I've, I've just uncovered a factoid, which I will uh, I will share with all of you in a, in a short second. But how have you been? How have you been? Hope you're well. You know? Hope you're alive. Um, Trump's been acquitted. You know, I mean, the man will not, he doesn't know when he's beat. He doesn't know when he's beat. You know? Just when you thought that you'd see, like, I'm just going to say this straight off the bat. I am in no way a, a right winger. And this is the problem with the world that we find ourselves in. If you, if you make a statement like I'm just about to make, you have to quantify that by saying, I'm not a Nazi. That's how fucked up the world is now. I was actually thinking about this the other day. When was it? How nice would it be to be able to sit down with a with a stranger, a stranger, and 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 talk to somebody about 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 anything about a subject that that you both have different viewpoints on. 
but actually have a discussion. How nice would that be? Instead of as soon as someone disagrees with what we'd be regarding as the mainstream, and we'll also talk about that shite hole in a minute. You 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 you've been branded. So let me just say this: I miss Trump. No, I don't miss him for the violence. On the one little, I don't miss him for that at all. I miss him because it's boring now. There's nothing's happening. You know? And I know that a lot of people will say, well, that's a good thing that nothing uh, nothing confrontational is happening, you know? But all that means is that America and global politics is going back to normal. Everything's done behind closed doors. The rich will get rich. They grease the palms of their pals. There's pizzas getting ordered to the White House again. Everything has gone back to normal. So I do. I miss the crazy orange bastard. I miss the nonsense that he says. I don't miss, you know, the 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 uh, the chaos that he caused. But I still, I do. I miss him a wee bit. I miss him, and I bet you there is a lot of Trump haters out there. They secretly miss him a wee bit as well. But he's been acquitted. I mean, that's a fucking shock to nobody. I imagine. So, uh, you know, Trump twenty twenty four. Will he run again? Who knows? Who knows? If he gets that um, reality show series El Trumpos, then you know. Maybe it won't. Maybe we'll be too busy. God knows. But uh, from what I can, from what I read online, I see briefly in the news he's. Um, I think the old man's enjoying himself down in Florida. I, I mean, the news is just boring. I, I watched BBC News this morning because old Bo Jangles is his update. You know, to say that this is the last, the last lockdown. That's it. No more after this. I'm, I'm skin. I can't afford any more lockdowns. So when we, uh, when we finally are released, apparently that is us. Ironically. We are friends in New Zealand. Uh, a wonderful comic, David Curios, who you should all check out. Um, the the missus messed him the other day. He was at a gig, he was at a concert, and he put up a video of him in a field surrounded by thousands of people. You know, and it was like, oh, God, remember those days? And uh, she texted him saying, God, that looks amazing. You know, stay safe, hope you're well. And uh, he, he messaged her back to it for us to say, well, it, it was fun, but that's us going back into a lockdown. <laughs> so, fuck knows what's happening. God knows. Um, I imagine, like like many of you, I'm slowly going insane. I now feel as if we uh, something's happened. We've maybe rolled a double five. And we've uh, we've moved down a rabbit hole of life because life just feels like I'm desperately trying to find something good to watch on Netflix. And suppose moves on, on quite nicely. I watched a documentary last night one of those nights where the old mild insomnia kicked in, couldn't really sleep. Uh, the old mind was going wide awake. It felt like the old days for a brief moment. Um, I have struggled for many years with sleep patterns. I um, Many, many moons ago when I was a, a bouncer, or as we like to call them, front house security, um, that's probably the, the best sleep pattern I've ever had. I just think, like... Not everybody's designed to do a 95. I certainly am one of those people who is not built to do a 95. And if you're one of those people who's not built to do a 95, you very quickly realise how how much life, normal life, is geared up to people who are 95. So if you don't work Monday to Friday, normal office hours, the chances of you doing things with your pals are, are slim. You know, you're maybe working when they're off. And it becomes a kind of struggle. It almost... It, not that it drives a wedge, but it almost forces you to live a separate life. Stop punching this fucking mic stand. I'm going to get a new mic stand because the the arm was good, but now it's getting in the way. I'm I'm getting more uh, gesturing with the hands, and I keep going to fucking 
judo chop it, so I need to get go back to the old slate up and down. Anyway, side note. Um, aye, so if you're not an, if you're not a ninety five person, it can be the world can seem strange. You know, you when you're awake, things are shut. People are at work when you're and, and as so forth and so on. Um, but doing that job, that's probably the the the, the first time that I kind of fell into a good sleep pattern, and I think that's when I realised I'm no a uh, you know a normal working hours person. I'm a, I am a night owl. And then comedy came in, it then became, uh, you know, that just became life, and I was working nights and weekends and whatnot, and that's just the way it is, isn't it? And again, I fitted easily into that pattern. And uh, I don't know what point I'm trying to make here, but what I'm trying to say is last night was one of those nights where my mind was fully awake at 10 o'clock at night, and I mean fully awake, like creative mode, stuff was firing, I was like, get me a bit of paper, I've got a joke about trans people. It was, everything was happening, you know? And uh, so I just gave in, and I thought, I'm not going to fight it, did a wee bit of work on the website, and uh, uh, and then I sat down and watched a documentary at half two in the morning, and the documentary was brilliant, because it was everything I wanted in a documentary, it, it gave me a bit of joy, a bit of sadness, uh, it had, had, you know, real anger, just punch this mic one more time, it's going to be real anger. And it, that's what I look for in a documentary. I look for something that's going to get the emotional juices flowing. All of my emotional juices, you know? I don't want one tone. I don't want to be crying like a wee lassie sobbing, going, oh, you'll never believe this, man. I don't want that. I want one minute, I'm, I feel sorry for somebody, I'm emotional, and then next minute I'm like, if I ever see a fucking man, that's the take that one. And I got it for this documentary. And the documentary's called, I've written it down, so don't get it wrong. It is called... What we started. What we started. And let me tell you this. What a documentary it is. Now, it is... Um, it's probably... There's two main players in it. Uh, Martin Garrix, Kant and Carl Cox. Now, there's obviously another couple of people in there. Paul Oakenfold is in. And uh, Pete Tong. Who thinks a fucking dick? But we'll go to that in a minute. The documentary is about... Uh, DJs, dance music, uh, the evolution of dance music, the different genres of dance music, genres of dance music across the world, and and where the state of the industry is now. Now, obviously not now. I think it was two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen. Um, because like like many of us, you know, the uh, the old dance music or any live music is taking a fucking right good kick in the boss with COVID. That was one of the things last night as well. Watching this documentary, at one point, there's like, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people in a field for, for this rave, and you're going... I mean, I don't want to be negative, but like, will, will we ever get back to that again? Will we ever be able to have that many people together in one place at one time? I think things like COVID are just going to be part of life now. I think, you know, every couple of years, maybe there'll be another form of pandemic. I think it will be easier. I don't ever think it will be this bad again. Ideal scenario, you know, maybe the new fucking Aztec flus or the the Omega strand or the fucking Tesla strand comes out and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, and you only traipse along to the GP or the quarantine bus stop, you know, or maybe by that point, people have caught on and it's a whole new industry, you know, it's a, it's a cottage industry, people have taken over old police boxes, 
and instead of you getting artisan coffee, in fact, even better, even better, you can you drop by one of these police boxes that are turned into some fucking TARDIS, you know, that sells £4 coffee and a cinnamon bun that's solid. Break somebody's jaw with this thing. That's what it's going to be, man. You know, you're going to have, uh, like, food trucks, vibey food places. Any, basically anywhere the hipsters hang out, right? It's trendy. You're going to be able to get, like, a, an artisanal loaf of bread and uh, the new fucking COVID injection. That's, that's what it's going to be, I think, in the future. All this talk of new strands and everybody else. And how, also, how, why is South Africa getting a strand? How, how are we not getting, like, a Glasgow strand? A Scotland strand? You know? Of course. Do you hear John get that new Scotland strand, man? Oh, it knocks you in your ass, mate. Knocks you on your ass. So I think that's going to be the future. You know, there'll be new strains of the virus or mutations, and you need to drop along to the GP and you get a fucking jag and you get your wee passport stamped, even though you don't. They say you don't need a passport, but apparently, if you're going to have to travel anywhere else in the world, you're going to need a passport. So you're going to need a passport. So. As I was watching it, I'm thinking, will we ever get back to that? Will we get that volume of people in one place for one thing, whether it be a concert, whether it be a sporting event? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there'll be certain hoops to go through, I don't know. But the documentary is brilliant. It, it takes you through the the rise of dance music. It talks about the, the death of disco. Um, it talks about how... Actually, very early on, which kind of piqued my interest a little bit, and I thought, right, this is actually going to be quite a good documentary because there is there's three or four people being interviewed who are talking about the 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 kind of first DJs, if you like, who the the move was away from live bands and and uh, nightclubs. So what they would do is they would have basically two turntables, so they could play. Uh, continuous music so there was never a break in it so that people were always dancing um, and there was a pushback from it as well because a lot of the nightclub owners and a lot of the promoters said that nobody wants to hear someone play records they want to see a live band so you're talking about that time maybe like 70s um, when th there's obviously there's, there's starting to be a change within live performance and within what people are expecting on a night out probably coinciding with a time when musicians and bands become globally famous so whereas in a time maybe in the in the, in the 60s and then maybe the early 70s you could get bands to perform in nightclubs or in uh, you know in discotheques shall i say you may they may have become more expensive, or they may have not been able to do that. They would have been touring themselves, so there's obviously a push and pull there as to what the market can can give them. And then the DJ step up, they start playing two records at once, or, or sorry, they play have two turntables so they can play records one after the other and keep the music going. Then you get DJs who play, who have two copies of the one record on a twin turntable and a effectively starting to mix music live in the birth of DJ. And it talks about the different types of music coming from Chicago and uh, different type. Detroit was another one mentioned in different parts of America and how the, the UK DJs are picking it up and playing it here. And Carl Cox is one who runs through the whole thing, basically being 54 years of age at that time, 
one of the oldest DJs, you know, around from the birth of the scene in the UK, one of the most famous DJs in the world. I really don't think there's anyone who doesn't know who Carl Cox is. And it's interesting because the documentary plays him off against this Martin Garrix, who's like the new wee kid, and they talk about how he's 17 years of age and he's headlining one of the biggest dance festivals in the world, this festival that happens in Miami. And the whole the whole thing, aside from the the, the interesting facts about dance music, the the whole thing itself is just a. It's just a. It's just a. What's the word I'm looking for, man? It is a. Come on, Scott. Are you are you, are you going mental here? It's a blueprint. Fuck's sake! It is a blueprint for every creative industry in the world. Because all that happens is that eventually, once something gets to the point where it has bled into the mainstream, it's fucked. Now it's fucked in 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 one sense and and un unfucked. Can you unfuck something? Not fucked on the other. A lot of the old DJs that have been interviewed in it are obviously complaining that DJs don't technically exist anymore. Very few of the new DJs are mixing. Very few of the DJs even know what a vinyl is. Very few of the young DJs know how to play a set. There's a there's a bit in it where Carl Cox is talking about how he, he played a ten hour set. And he meets Martin Garrix. <clears throat> Martin Garrix is asking, he's like, you play a 10 hour shit, oh my God. And he's like, I played 10 hours, went for like two piss breaks, two slices of pizza, four bottles of beer, but played for 10 hours. Never played the same song twice in 10 hours. And the wee guy, he's, his mind's blown, he's like, I could never do that. And I'm watching it and I'm getting angry because I'm going, you're right, you could never do that. He could never do a 10 hour set. <clears throat> It reminds me of a, a comedian who I won't say his name because he's quite famous now. He turned up once to a, a night to a club, a comedy club in Glasgow, the Stand. Right, he turned up to the Stand in Glasgow, and this is when I had just left my job and I was working in the Stand part time, as well as starting out in comedy. <clears throat> and he was booked to do a solo show as part of his tour. And what happens is when you go to the uh, comedy clubs especially, um, you will always have a break, uh, at least one break, because the club wants to get more money at the bar, right? That's that's just part of it, it's done, written rule. Some people will, um, a lot of acts will bring a tour support for that. So they put the tour support on at the start, and uh, then they have a break, and then they do the show. Some people will split up their show, some people only do an hour, um, and a lot of the clubs will not be very happy with that because they want the bar break. So this act came in, this comedian came in, <clears throat> and uh, I went in to meet him, and we are having a chat, we'd met a few times before, so it was, he was quite relaxed, and uh, I said, we've got you down for 2.45 minutes. Now this is someone who has been on Live at the Apollo twice by this point, um, was starring in his own show, was was one, and is now one of the, you know, a big name in comedy. And uh, and I mean, I'm saying I don't I don't have. I don't have an hour and a half, and I thought he was joking. You no, know, I thought he was kidding. On. I went, very good, very good. I said so. I'll I can flash it forty, and then you know off at forty five. Then we'll have a break, and uh, no more than twenty minutes back. I went, mate, mate, I don't have, I don't have two forty five minutes. I've only got the hour. And this went back and forward, and all I kept thinking was, how can you be? Not only a professional comedian, but how can you be a comedian at that level where you are 
a household name on national television, on the biggest, at that time, the biggest comedy show in the country. This is now your second national tour. And yet you don't have, not only are you saying you don't have 90 minutes worth of material, you don't have the ability to do two 45-minute sections. Now, just for transparency, I very rarely do, two, I wouldn't do two 45s either. I would always make the time work in my favour. So I'll do minimum of 30, probably 40 at the start, have a break and then I'll do the hour. And that's the show. And I, I, I just couldn't understand how someone of that level was unable to do it. I just couldn't understand it. And, and, and as we get talking, I'm going, but you must be able to do something for the first tour because there's no not everybody here will have seen that because it's in a different venue. So, you know, do 10, 15. And I, I, I can see it now in my head. I'm sitting in the room going, I don't understand how I'm having to dis- explain this to you. I said, do 15 minutes of banter. To which the response was, well, I, I can't do crowd work. I'm going, what is happening here? Do 15 minutes of banter and do 25 minutes, half an hour of the old show, and then come out and do the new hour. So this ended up, you know, it wasn't happening. It, it, I had left, there was phone calls to agents, to management, and um, we ended up agreeing on a half hour and a half hour, uh, until the hour was split too. And it was one of the strangest nights ever, because it was you, the audience was only just getting into it. Um as we had a break and then they came back in for another half hour. A very strange night. And and that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this, to go like one of the... Well, at that time, Martin Garrix is voted the number one DJ in the world, which is fucking ridiculous. So you have got, apparently, according to the industry, the number one DJ in the world, talking to one of the greatest DJs that's ever existed. And he's explaining to him that there's no way in hell he could do a 10-hour set. As it went on, I'm just going, the contrast from every creative art form is, is staggering. So as dance music, I suppose we go back to that, as dance music starts to become more mainstream into the 90s and certainly into the noughties, the noughties, um, you find more and more that it is, uh, it's changing and it's moving away from its roots, as these things do when they become mainstream, they become diluted and they become more packageable and, and more sellable, if you like, to a larger audience you start to see a rise of these new DJs like Martin Garrix, Skrillex, Steve Aoki, uh, Avicii, people like that who are more geared towards pop music, David Guetta, that fucking toilet. And the argument that kind of runs through the, the documentary is that these these DJs are no longer DJs. Uh, probably the best name for them is producers because they're not actually making their own... Well, they're making their own music, but they're not mixing it live. Um, there's there's a part in it which, interestingly, he's not in the documentary being interviewed. It's only a quote from him. That fucking nugget dead mouse or dead mouse, whatever his name is. He he has a quote in it from a magazine interview that he did where he says he simply turns up, plugs in his USB and hits play. And he says the audience don't know what's happening. They're just there for a good time. And one thing he says is he still considers himself a DJ being a DJ doesn't mean you have to produce magic on the night it means you have to produce magic in the studio and I'm going well that for me then would just make you a producer that doesn't make you a DJ you know I would say the the fundamental basics of DJing and correct me if I'm wrong is that you should be able to mix music and if you can't mix music 
then I would say you're a producer if you're creating your own tracks. It, it was an odd, it's an odd one to even consider and discuss, but it's a, it's a great documentary. You should try and watch it. Um, what's it called again? What We Started. One thing you see is when I talk about Carl Cox as well, he's doing his last night uh, in Ibiza. And it was quite sad. It was it was quite emotional at the end, and you and you could you could really, you could really feel the emotion in the manager watching it. To go, this has been such a huge part of his life. He's been a resident DJ, in uh, space. I think it is in, in Ibiza for fifteen years. No other DJ has ever done a residency that long. No other DJ will ever do a residency that long. I imagine, and it's now coming to an end. And uh, obviously speaks a little bit about his family and the uh, documentary and his sisters there and it's it's quite an emotional wee part of it and you see him just kind of walk off and you and you're thinking what must have been going through his head at the time, but the um, the the contrast from that now to other industries where you think like it's not really it's never when it gets to a certain level it's never about the talent, you know it's about how they can market you. And I imagine a, a 17 year old at that time, handsome looking, Justin Bieber looking, wee Dutch boy, is far more marketable than a 54 year old fat DJ called Carl Cox. I imagine that is far more marketable. Nobody would be interested that Carl Cox would be a far greater DJ with a far a history in the in the industry, a history in the in the in the art. And be able to to talk about some of the incredible people who have gone before. It doesn't matter because this week I seventeen, teenage girls are going to come out screaming. I can stick them in the front of magazines. I'll sell magazines. So it's it's one of those things where, like I said, bittersweet I suppose, and and real joyous and real anger at the same time. But a great documentary, man. And if if you're looking for something to watch, because there is a hell of a lot of shit out there, um, give it a watch. One thing I'll say. And a, a very, very interesting part in the documentary is they do, Carl Cox is talking about, I think it's Love Festival in Berlin. And uh, they talk about how it first started and there was like 250 people. That, they're effectively driving trucks through the centre of Berlin to they get to this park and then they have the, they finish the festival in this park. And uh, the footage you're seeing is from three or four years down the line and there's just a sea of people in the street. And they're talking about this year when they did it, and they said there was over one million people in the streets of Berlin for the festival. And the thing that caught me the most is, at the point when Carl Cox is climbing up to the platform, so they build a platform in the, in the centre of this, um, it's effectively a, a, a kind of park in Berlin, and there's like a, a cross-junction roads, and they've got a monument, and they've built this tower in the monument, so that when you're on the tower, you're looking straight down, uh, the mall, effectively, and there's just a sea of people, and there's a sea of people to either side, right, if you imagine a T-junction. Now, the interesting thing, and I only know this from another documentary I was watching, that part of Berlin, where they are, that was intended to be Hitler's masterpiece, if you like. At the height of the Third Reich, that uh, mile, that run of road through that park, that was going to be the main road to Hitler's um, headquarters. I suppose you want to call it that. Effectively, they wanted to build a, a citadel for the for the Nazi party, and it was going to be designed on ancient Rome. All along that mile would have been all the government buildings um, for the Nazi party, 
and it would have finished at the end of that mile with a, a huge, huge ancient Rome-type building which would have housed the uh, the the headquarters of the Nazi party and a, and a massive amphitheatre as well. And that that was the plan. That was what Hitler wanted to do. And then obviously the, 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 the war didn't go the way they thought and funds were cut back and funds were put into the war effort. And so the, 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 the building or the construction of what would have been Hitler's masterpiece was stopped. And as I'm watching that documentary of literally a million people of every nationality you can imagine, every colour, every sexual orientation, every sexuality, together dancing in this this part of Berlin which would have been unrecognisable had Germany won the war. There was something about that that was quite special as well. Never mentioned the documentary because why would they mention it? I suppose they don't even, wouldn't even consider that at the time. But there was something in that moment as I was watching it, I thought, what a, what a moment in history this would have been, a, a sliding door moment where if things had gone differently, what, 40 years earlier? not only would that not have happened who who knows if that if that music would have even existed i don't know maybe that's taken a bit too far gable but wonderful documentary what we started get it watched get it on netflix you will thoroughly enjoy it right something i wanted to talk to you about was a question came up on the Sunday service from the rascal, the legend Douglas Anderson. Shout out to Douglas. Douglas had asked on the uh, on the Sunday service podcast, which I, ho- I hope you you are all uh, part of. Now the numbers would suggest you're not, but uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to access the extra uh, content and get access to the Sunday service, which is the Patreon only episodes that go out, believe it or not, every Sunday, hence the name, then uh, join the Patreon. Patreon.com uh, forward slash Big Scott Gibson, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Head to BigScottGibson.com and all the links uh, are on there, but do that. But Douglas had asked a question on the on the Patreon episodes and um, he was talking about crisps and he had asked if we, uh, if we knew or if we realised that every packet of crisps goes out a day and a Saturday, and I thought, this can't be right, it can't be right, turns out, it fucking is right, Doogie boy, uh, Douglas Anderson has gone away and checked, he's checked his own crisp supply, possibly ransacked a local um, uh, supermarché, I didn't ask, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all one step away from madness now, imagine getting escorted home in a pause, what's he done now, he was going through the crisp aisle in Morrison's hand, checking the expiry dates, Turns out that, I mean, I certainly never knew this, Douglas has unearthed a, a, a conspiracy theory. But it turns out he's true, he's right, he's real. It's, it's bloody right. And I've even got uh, an article here. The Crisp Company, now I don't know who the Crisp Company is, this, this is an old article. Um, It's actually from the Coventry Telegraph, believe it or not, I never even knew the the, uh, the the Coventry had a telegraph. Or oh, the people from Coventry had the ability to read words. Um, but the Coventry Telegraph uh, explains that in the manufacturing sites where they make the crisps, they work on production weeks, not production days. So a production day in the factory where they make crisps starts on a Sunday, which means all products will expire the following week 
which ends on a Saturday. Oh my God. All products produced in that week will have the same best before date. As the week ends on a Saturday, the best before date will always be a Saturday. I, I can't believe I'm 36 years of age and I never knew this. I, I'm genuinely shocked. I can't be the only person, though, who, who didn't know this. Um, crisps always go out of date on a Saturday fact that's the name of an old Facebook page anyway but how true is the statement nobody ever really checks the expired date on the crisps do they never do uh, and why would they after all crisps never last long like covered exactly this is from the uh, the Coventry Telegraph article uh, some eagle eyed savoury snack lovers know only too well that these crisps go out of date on a Saturday um, the answer has been bothering Many people, it's even listed in the FAQ section of the Walker's website. Fucking hell. All products produced in the week have the best, the same best before date. As the weekends on Saturday, the best before date will always... As the weekends... Sorry, I As the week ends on the Saturday, the best before date will always end on the Saturday. So there you go. So every single packet of crisps that is produced in the UK, if not the world, the globe... We'll always go to a date on a Saturday. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, Douglas Anderson, thank you. Not only thank you for the question, Douglas, but thank you for following up with uh, some, some hard-hitting evidence of your own. And uh, it turns out that, that's true. And uh, and if you've got a bag of crisps that Disney go uh, expire on a Saturday, then it's, uh, it's fake news, mate. Stick up your ass. It's not a real bag of crisps. Not interested. We only want the real, we want British, British crisp for British people. <laughs> if my crisp don't expire on a Saturday, it's a foreign fucking lays. Get the fuck. <laughs> but Douglas, thank you, mate. And uh, enjoy, happy munching on your uh, on your crisp. Make sure you do them before Saturday. Um, otherwise, it may be a little, little soft in the tooth. I've seen a few videos this week of my my beloved Amsterdam. Um, one day we'll fly away. I'll be back soon. Yeah, once bloody COVID's over. But I saw some. I saw some wonderful uh, footage of Amsterdam. Amsterdonians, Amsterdites, Amsterdandanans. Uh, you may have seen it as well with the recent cold snap, which now has has fully gone in Ulrichi. I don't know which part of the uh, of the country. You are listening to this uh, part of the globe, even, but here in uh, in Edinburgh, the nation's capital, it's uh, it's positively tropical. Roasting is the correct Scottish vernacular. So hot out this afternoon in the dug walk, uh, jumper and a jacket, sweat was dripping into the crack of my arse. That's the weather. That's the weather report. That's the weather report that people need. If you were to go on a brisk. 20 minute afternoon walk with with a, an extra layer. Would the sweat be dripping in the crack of your ass? And by golly gosh, it was. So the cold weather's gone, snow, snow's almost over. Um my my neighbours have um have been quite creative with the uh, the snow uh offering designs, uh, monuments. The snowmen. Um in the last couple of days, we've had three snowmen, um, three and a half. One was quite small. I don't know if it was a, a dwarf man or if it was just a, a small child that made it. I don't know. 
but uh, three and a half snowmen. And then out of nowhere, we came out one morning and the somebody built an igloo, believe it or not. It looks as if they've packed snow into a takeaway tub to make the bricks, which is genius when you think about it. And uh, they built a wee igloo on the end of the wall in the courtyard. And uh, it looked nice. And then uh, next day, they put fairy lights in it, which was weird. Uh, and each night, the fairy lights changed colour. Not, like, fancy ones. Literally, they put a different set of fairy lights in it each night. And then uh, on the final night, as if they knew the snow was going to leave us, they actually put a Yankee candle inside the igloo, which I thought was, was mental. I generally thought it was mental. Uh, I mean, it's 14 quid for a Yankee candle. Fuck me. Are these bastards made of money? Can you imagine turning around to your mother? Mum, I need uh, I need a Yankee candle. What to put in my glue? Get to fuck yeah. You're not a hope in hell. If you had, if your mother had come into your garden and found one of her fourteen pound Yankee candles being used to light an igloo, in the name of God, they'd never have found your body. But these fuckers were using it to light their igloo, and then obviously it uh, melted and bloated in itself. But uh, today, snow's gone. One of the snowmen, uh, he's quite a rotund gent, uh, a wee bit of the, the belly's left. It's all it's taken a, a dive off the wall, but that's all that remains. Um, the rest of it gone. But I'm still, I'm still Danny's. I'm still Dundonians. Uh, you will have seen, no doubt, the pictures of the frozen canals of Amsterdam. I have posted up some videos on Instagram uh, on the stories of people ice skating. In the, uh, in the canals, very beautiful, some people have put music to it, it's lovely, you know, uh, I could not imagine the joy of waking up on a cold, crisp Amsterdam morning, opening up the, the door, uh, overlooking the canals to see some, you know, lovely young people, figure skating on the ice, I would have thought, in the name of God, I'm living in a fairy tale, and it's obviously not long until the, uh, until the buffoonery starts, and you may have seen the video of the guy who is skating and then fall, falls into the ice. Now, you may have watched that video and thought, in the name of God, the man's going to die. Let me say this to you. Falling through the ice while you are ice skating into a, a frozen canal would be the least of your worries if the canal is in Amsterdam because that canal is full of piss and shit and he goes, I mean, he's got it at some speed. Uh, you can see you can see the, the, the colour of the ice. It looks a bit darker as well. Now, to the untrained eye, you may be thinking, that's a very thick bit of ice, but it's a very thin bit of ice because the water's so minging under it. And he just, <laughs> he just disappears through the ice. It's great because he's got no chance of stopping it, no chance of making himself big, diving onto another bit of ice. No, he just comes around and just fucking disappears out of the water. The, there's no way that he is not consuming some of that water. And, I mean, my God, forget COVID. Maybe that's the fucking solution. Maybe if you are baptised in the piss and shit canals of Amsterdam, you are immune to all known virus and any future virus. Maybe that. Maybe we need to test this guy. But I, I can guarantee you, as soon as he hit that water, no, the, the, no concerns over if he was going to get hypothermia or anything. There may have been people watching for the side going, oh my God, that boy will catch his death. If anybody knows the canals. It's, I'm watching that, and as soon as he went in the water, he's dead. 
He's dead. No, he's not dead instantly. No, no, no. He is dead in a few months. A few months' time, that man will die in his sleep. And it will not be if he COVID. It will not be if he's some rare virus. It will be because he's consumed shitty canal water. And that's it. They'll do tests on him. They'll do biopsies. No doctor, no surgeon will be able to explain to his family how he's died until that video is presented. So the surgeon generally went, Oh, he's drank fucking pissy shit canal water. Hey, what a man. I'm surprised he lasted four months. There's a bit when he's swimming to try and get up and he's just scrambling and you know in his head he's like, you're fucked man, you're fucked. Every bit of clothing you're wearing must be set fire to. Those ice skates, set fire to them. You need to get your stomach pumped, you need to get a tetanus jag on every limb of your body. Disgusting man, disgusting. But if you've not seen Chick out, it must, it must be, there was one when it was a young a young woman and she's figure skating. And she's brilliant, so she must be a figure skater. And uh, it's obviously a part where the canal, one of the canals starts to widen out a wee bit. Because she's got quite, she's got a fair size of canal to play with, put it that way. And I'm just, I'm watching this video and it's the one they put a bit of music to it. And I'm going, it's just magical, man. Like, it's just, it's just magical. Like, if you were to wake up, open your veranda doors with a coffee and a fucking cigar... And just see that, you'd think, where the fuck am I living? You know, and, and two different people, some people will watch that and go, God, I wish I could figure skate like that. And go, no, that never enters my head. I'm going, I just wish that, I would love to just open a door and just be able to wake up to that every morning. You know, there's, there's Joe. Marlon John! She goes into a triple axle. Watch the shitty, oh, she's falling through the water. She's falling through the water. Good old Amsterdam, man. One day, one day, we'll open a veranda door into a wee Juliet balcony, spark up a fucking big Cuban cigar, and drink a wee Piccolo coffee. You know, as we look out over Amsterdam, they'll go, we've made it, son. We've made it. But if you are going ice skating, uh, or figure skating, or skating of any kind, on, uh, on what little ice remains, please be careful. Please be careful. I saw two news stories that were dealing with the exact same thing, but presented in completely opposites from each other, which perfectly sums up the way the BBC uh, now operates. I, like I said earlier, I put BBC Breakfast on this morning to try and get a wee update for Bojangles, because I missed it yesterday. And uh, BBC News now, especially in the morning, it's just become uh, it's like points of view. It's just, it's just a place for people to moan. There's no news anymore. There's no facts. Nothing is discussed in depth. It's just, it seems to be a, a forum for people to come on and complain. That is the fucking news. You know, I want facts. I want debate, discussion. I don't want somebody on just moaning about fucking something. They, they, the guy on the day, they found a fossil or some shit. I was watching, I don't really care. I've ever this going on, finding some prehistoric fish that... It's not even on the list. Couldn't give a fuck. But the BBC choose to put it on. Now, the BBC this morning made a very big mistake of having someone on who is an expert on these fossils and having someone on who's not only an expert, very passionate about the thing they're talking about. So BBC News, especially in the morning, they want 90 seconds in and out. Your papa's deed, 90 seconds in and out. Your family's got COVID, 90 seconds in and out. 
You know, the economy's fucked. Ninety seconds in and out. They don't want any discussion. They don't want it to raise above a certain level. Let's keep it bland. Let's keep it at a four. Let's keep it calm and let's keep moving. All right. And then this guy starts uh, pulling back and going, "Hey, you've shown the wrong video. That's a lot of shit you're talking. Here, here's what's going on. I'll let me tell you this." But the the news story that I saw um, was people who are in the quarantine hotels. Now, this first story was um, from a hotel in Sydney. And it was three British people who are in quarantine in a hotel in Sydney. And the other news story, also about quarantine hotel, was an Asian family who were in a quarantine hotel in Glasgow for one day. And let's just deal with the Glasgow one first because it was classic casual racism from the BBC where it's trying to incite some kind of anger and extreme violence in you that, why the hell are they only getting stayed in for a night? What happened was a, a, a husband, a man, sorry, a father and his daughter quarantined for one night in a hotel uh, because there'd been a miscommunication and understanding of the rules. They had actually flown from a, a country where you had to be quarantined, but they came through uh, a connecting flight in Dublin. So, because doing that, they don't have to quarantine when they get to Scotland. There was a problem. They were in for one night. The The problem was addressed, and they were sent home to, to Fife, where I imagine the uh, father will marry his daughter in a beautiful ceremony. But nonetheless, there was a mistake, and that was it. But it's put across from the BBC, is somehow they've cheated the system and people aren't really taking this serious. And then it cuts to this other story of the three Brits who are quarantined in Sydney. Now, I don't know if the story was meant for me to be, uh, have empathy for them. I don't know if I was meant to feel sorry for these people. Look at them being quarantined in the hotel. I'm telling you right now, I couldn't give a flying fuck about the three of them. In fact, for wasting five minutes of my day, I hope they get their runs. These three fuckers, right, one of whom, an older lady, has been staying in, in Spain for eight years, so you can guess her type of character. Um, she was now coming back to the UK to live for some reason, going, I just think it, with everything that's happening, it's time to come home. Well, we don't know if we want you back, but on you come. So she's moaning about the quarantine. Another man, a businessman who oddly lives in Sydney, uh, is also quarantined in the hotel because where he's came from. And you look at these people going, they're complaining about the food, first of all. Let's start. They're getting three meals a day, right? They're getting three meals a day. And they're in a hotel. And it's a fucking good hotel. It's overlooking the Sydney Harbour, right? It's a nice hotel. One of them's in a suite. It's a good hotel, right? And the hotel, I'm watching this, I'm going, they're getting fed. They've got space to move about. They've got every fucking mod con you can want. Wi-Fi. They've all got their laptops and devices. They've got Netflix and the telly. They're there for all right. They're there for twenty-one days, right? But they're you know they're in luxury. Then I find out the guy who actually lives in Sydney, his wife is allowed to visit the hotel. What is the fucking point in that? They're sitting separated, having a conversation. So what's the point in them being quarantined? And then she brings them treats every day. She's walking up to the hotel going, he just really likes his, his fancy coffee and, and I just bring him a coffee and a cake. Just just little things like that help him remember what normal life is. He's in a fucking five-star hotel. He's not in a jail. He's not in a prison. They're in a five-star luxury hotel in Sydney. What's going on, man? Is this, is this how much we're struggling for news now? 
Everybody's got to be in a quarantine hotel. I tell you what will be worse than that. I tell you what will be worse than a fucking five-star hotel quarantined in Sydney overlooking the harbour as your wife brings you fancy cakes and coffees every day would be quarantined in a Best Western in Heathrow in the fucking middle of nowhere. A wee rap at the door. Rat-a-tat-tat. Oh, that must be lunch. I wonder what delicacies we've got today. Ah, a jobby piece and a sock. Delicious. The woman at one point, she she opens the door and she went, that'll be lunch. And she brings her food in and she's sitting talking about it. Like, she's talking about her food and going, I mean, you know, it's it's okay. It does, sometimes it does feel a bit like prison. A bit like prison. <laughs> it feels a bit like prison. What the fuck are you talking about? It, it It's amazing. Mind-blowing sometimes. That when people are forced into what they consider a little bit of hardship, which isn't really hardship. Because the, the mistake that the BBC's made is that each of these people is a middle-class fucking Tory voting minted bastard. And it's amazing when they have to take one step down the ladder and suddenly it's it's just it's just very difficult, you know. I've actually I've not been able to get whole coffee beans for almost two days now and I keep having to drink instant coffee and my... I mean, I'm struggling, but I don't know how much more I can take. You know, I really just need to get home. This is, it's like a prison, you know? It's like prison. Shut the fuck up, Sandra. Imagine the people watching that. Imagine sitting down watching that going, fuck it, let's put the news on. And you've just came back for the food bank. Just came back for food bank, unpacking messages. Because you can't... A forty feed yourself your family. And you've got some fucking dick on there going, as long as my wife can bring me a fancy coffee, it'll still feel like normal. <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, man. I, honestly, I, I'm trying very hard not to keep talking about COVID on the podcast, but I just think eventually, man, there's going to, there's going to have to be a shift because everyone's going to settle again. And a lot of people now who haven't been maybe been affected by it financially or any other ways, it's going to catch up to us, man. It's going to it's going to hit all of us eventually, and then we're going to see a bit of a shift. Because as the as the haves move further away from the have nots, there's only so long, man, before it before it boils over, you know. Only so long before people storm that hotel and kick your door in. God, it feels like prison now, doesn't it? Is he getting dragged in the hall, clawing at the carpet? Ah, please! No! Game over. Game over. But yes, it was... Uh, I, I just couldn't understand the point of the story at all. I'm just watching it going, I couldn't give a fuck about you idiots. I generally couldn't. We're all, we're all past that now. I saw a thing the other day saying 302 days in lockdown. It feels more than that. And if now if we have to be feel sorry for people who are travelling through other parts of the world to come back to their second home in the UK via a three-week stay in a five-star hotel in Sydney, you have fucking missed the mark with that one, BBC. You fucking missed the mark with that one. Right, let's finish up this episode with uh, a little news story, shall we? Let's get it up here. 
that's not the right thing. That's not the right thing. This is it here. Uh, back to the BBC. Back to the BBC. Fuck the BBC. Back to the Metro. The good old Metro. Uh, journalism at its very best. Um, Jen Mills, a name we have spoken about before in the podcast. Uh, so we're going back to Jen for another hard-hitting piece of journalism. And uh, the headline for this one is a beauty, as as all of them are in the Metro. They never let us down. Uh, headline is as follows. Escaped cow. Escaped cow. Charges into hospital waiting room and attacks patients now. As always, I have not read the story. We will discover this together. I do not know if the cow is a reincarnation. I don't know if this was a patient who died at the hands of a negligent surgeon, reincarnated as a cow, waited until he or she was a fully grown cow and then charged the hospital. I don't know. I don't know if the hospital is in India, a part of the world where cows are sacred. They can do what they want. They can sleep in the street. They can get to pre-mark. They can storm a hospital. I do not know. But I do know from the pictures and the headline, it's, uh, it looks juicy. Because let me just say this, the cow is a fucking beauty. There's, there is also a picture. <laughs> There's a picture in the article um, <laughs> of of what looks like a, a waiting area, a waiting room. If you imagine just a, a, a room, uh, a corridor down at the end of the room, and then a door where you gain access to the waiting room. Three chairs down either side of the wall, and uh, from the picture it looks like there's three uh, three people sitting in the waiting room, maybe waiting to be called to see a consultant, you know? Maybe a delicate procedure. I mean, let's not say life or death, let's keep it light, but maybe they're waiting there to go and get a, a bunion uh, frozen after toe. And, uh, you know, you're just sitting there waiting, casually been your own business, looking at the leaflets on offer, give up smoking, erectile dysfunction, obesity, the usual things you see in a hospital waiting room. And then all of a sudden, uh, a heifer sticks his head through the door and uh, charges into the room. And <laughs> the picture that's on this, <laughs> the picture that's on this is beautiful. One guy's off, he's off, you know. He's been in a situation before where a cow has stormed into a room. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end with everybody having a beautiful filet mignon steak. It ends with some cunt taking a cow's foot to the pus. He's off. The other guy looks as if, is that a cow? It is a cow, and uh, you better get moving. So let's read on. First line, an escaped cow. What? Escaped from where? A slaughterhouse? Let's hope so. Let's hope. Listen, see if I was a cow and I escaped for a slaughterhouse, I'm going to hospital. I'm doing some slaughtering on my own. I'm like, you're going to fucking lead me to my death. Well, guess what, cunt? I'm going to take some people to with me. An escaped cow ran inside the hospital and attacked patients with a knife. Who knows? Knocked over chairs. In the name of God, attacking patients, I can accept. Knocking over chairs. should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, and caused general panic. Just general panic. General panic was caused. Not high panic. Not hysteria. General panic. CCTV from the waiting room shows the animal got inside and started running around like a bull in a china shop. Very much. Very much like a bull in a china shop. Bull in a china shop. A group of people um, inside ran for a corner uh, for safety but were followed by the cow that then slammed into them. Jesus Christ. In the video, there's a video. Oh, I need to find the video. In the video, the cow falls several times, allowing some patients to escape. Oh, I don't want the cow to hurt itself. 
but leaves an injured woman trapped on the floor as two men manage to grab the animal's lead and pull it away. However, it charges the woman again. Something's going on with this woman, man. Listen, see if a cow escapes, breaks into a hospital, finds the room that you're waiting in, charges you against a wall, then smashes you to a floor, then leaves you on the floor, and then turns and charges you again, while there is two other options in the room for it to attack. You've done something to that cow. However, it charges the woman again as the me- as the man falls and tries to coax it back before the cow is finally seen exiting the hospital and the woman looks for help. The bizarre incident occurred in Colombia. Oh. Colombia's hospital, San Rafael, in the mun- municipality of San Luis, in the department of Antigua. A uh, second video shows the incident from outside the medical centre where a group of people clap and whistle as the cow but flee as soon as it exits. Local newspaper uh, Van de Gardia said nobody was seriously injured uh, in the incident as the trampled woman was treated for minor uh, concussions uh, and pain while the rest of the patients did not seek treatment because they're hard as nails. The old cow also damaged two motorcycles as the hospital's entrance and some chairs in the waiting room. Uh, Van de Gardia said the cow's owner went to the hospital to apologise. <laughs> Oh, see when you read, see when you read news stories from like, I don't want to say third world countries, but other parts of the world, do you ever just think it would it be a simpler way of life, you know, imagine, imagine coming in, like coming in for school, coming in for the work, where's dad gone, He's got up the hospital, apologise. Betsy escaped again and attacked a woman in the hospital. Oh, for fuck's sake. Imagine having to go to your local hospital to apologise that your escaped cow caused havoc. General. General panic. General panic. It just feels like a simpler, simpler world, you know? Just a simpler place to live. <laughs> Cow's owner went to the hospital to apologise for the incident and asked about the woman's health uh, as well as the material damage, but it's unclear if the, if he pa- if he plans to pay for it. And of course, he's not going to. He's got a fucking escape cow for God's sake. Uh, there have been no reports uh, to the police on opening an investigation. The local police now consider the matter closed. Uh, no comments as to whether or not the cow uh, is alive, um, but I hope that she's uh, safe and well. I hope that the uh, the farmer didn't take out order and go mental, uh, but I still maintain that if the cow went for that woman twice, if not thrice, something's going on there, and if any police investigations are getting done, they should uh, ask that woman as to why on earth the cow would seek her out and attack her three times in a hospital, but there you go, another episode, another mad no- yeah, news story, and that's then. team, thank you for listening once again, uh, episode 69 of the Scott Gibson Show, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please do uh, leave us a wee review. Get on iTunes, leave it a five-star review. Share it on your social media pages. Encourage people to listen. Let us grow the numbers. And however you get your podcast, make sure you do subscribe. Hit that subscribe button and you'll get the podcast every single Wednesday as it drops. Uh, that's it for now. Uh, so in the meantime, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Wash your hands and your arsehole. And I'll hopefully see you on a battlefield very soon. 
Omens. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>